Welcome to St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church live interactive podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us today. And now for your hosts for your spiritual hour of power, Pastors D.A. Bennett and Josh Coates. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to today's podcast for St. Andrews Community United Methodist Church. I am D.A. Bennett, lead pastor here at St. Andrews, alongside Josh Coates, our pastor of discipleship, and we're glad you've tuned in today. And don't you love that new bumper that uh, Jeff has put together? Jeff, how are you doing today? Busy but good. I was going to say Busy he's over there good. pushing buttons so pushing he can Pushing buttons, yeah. making stuff work, you know, but, uh, you know, do, doing great, you know, uh, great week uh excited for kind of this cooler weather that's coming through this week yeah i guess the cold front's supposed to come Come, through supposed to come tonight supposed to be in the 80s for the next several days after a hundred and something today i I can dig some 80s i mean i was more man of the 70s but you know i i I can i can groove on some 80s yeah i'd prefer 60s and 70s myself but i'm not going to gripe about 80s when we've been in triple digits for as long as we have yeah the the temperature's kind of like my golf score and i i prefer to play in the 60s and 70s <laughs> what do you what do you shoot on the back nine exactly yeah i i figure if i break 100 it's a good day yeah and yeah. And, and that's kind of how summer is in oklahoma if, if the temperature breaks 100 uh it's really hot so we don't want it to get there we want it to stay below triple digits so friends uh well, again the the intro that we had you know it says this is an interactive podcast and we really want to encourage you give us a shout out let us know you're watching or if you have a question we would love to deal with the questions that you have more than just the information that we give but one of the things that happened this last week we're in this series creating the church and we've been going through the book of acts and it it just felt like gosh what have we i mean it's been like 10 weeks it feels like yeah several that that we have done this and so i started this last sunday by trying to give us a review trying to help us to see you know here's the foundation and here's your next step and here's the next step and so when we talk about creating the church uh it all goes back to acts chapter 2 the birthday of the church we have talked about this time and time and time again but when we date the history of the church that's really when the history of the church started now that doesn't mean god wasn't moving and god wasn't calling people into relationship prior to that obviously the life of jesus was before the birthday of the church but the church begins when god pours out his holy spirit and then the people respond they want to know how to be a part of this church turn from your sin turn to God, and then the, it was be baptized. Of course, in our tradition, we baptize infants, and we wouldn't say be rebaptized, but turn from your sin, turn to God, and be baptized. And once that happened in people's lives, then the people lived with a high level of devotion to their discipleship as far as how their relationship with Christ worked out. And, and Josh is our pastor of discipleship. Josh, when you think about you know Holy Spirit given, the church begins, but now we live in a high level of devotion. What, what kind of thoughts does that generate for you? And Yeah, so for me, I, I kind of think of discipleship in a, a more of a holistic, uh, comprehensive uh, way. Okay, I, say I think more. a yeah. lot of times when we think of discipleship, we think of head knowledge. We think of right. read the Bible, know what it says, um, and, and know the history of the church. That's what we think of, I think, a lot of times when we think of discipleship. But I think there's so much more to it, especially when you look at the call Jesus places on our life, the call of the church. Um, discipleship is all of those things, but it's more. It's it's also 
what, how do what we learn, how do we live that out? How does it play out in our lives? And that's what we see from the early church as they are obediently following Jesus, as they're being generous, as they're being bold. That's all birthed out of this transformation that they experienced when they chose to follow Jesus. Right. And so um, that's how I think of discipleship. It's not just, hey, come to this Bible study, but it's also, what do you do when you leave the Bible study? What does Monday through Saturday look like? Um, how are you growing in your relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus the whole week and not just the one day that you go to Bible study yeah. or go to church or whatever? I, I remember years ago when I was <laughs> starting in campus ministry and a guy came, his name was Denny Rodberg, and he was kind of a popular youth ministry guru, but he was a campus minister at the University of Washington. And he talked about how sometimes in our discipleship we hit a wall Uh and he said, people would come, they're like, you know, I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to Bible study, and I'm not getting anything out of it, you know. And, and, and sometimes we hit those plateaus. And he said, well, then you need to serve. Right. And other times people would say, you know, I'm serving and I'm faithful, but I, I just don't feel like anything's going on. And he said, well, then you probably need to start going to Bible study. You know, that yeah. that holistic approach that one feeds the other. And in the early church, of course, Acts 2.42, these early believers, the, the high level of devotion they had to discipleship was to the apostles' teaching, to koinonia, to community, if you will, to uh, the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And that's obviously a vital part. And so part of... What we see is God creates a church. Our response to be part of the church is to have this high level of devotion. But then it goes on to say, here's the result of discipleship, that when we live at a a high level of commitment to doing those things that we should do to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we really begin to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in transforming us. And part of that transformation was a became more bold right uh which yeah, just just stop and think about that they became they prayed for more boldness because they were threatened and you threaten me you know again i'm, I'm a red-blooded american you threaten me you know my culture has said that i need to come right back at you right and, and also depending on the level of threat I'm probably praying for protection, right? Not not boldness to go into it even more, to be threatened even more. But I'm probably praying, God, protect me from this. Right. I'm not thinking about how do I continue to be obedient to God and boldness, but I'm thinking about how do I protect myself or my kids or. And 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 that's something we're going to be looking at later because you have to wonder a little bit later if there were some of those early believers said, man, quit praying for boldness, <laughs> pray for right. protection. Uh, but then we also saw that they were more generous. They they sold all they had. They gave it to the apostles. It was distributed among the people, and nobody had need. I think probably in some ways that did get taken advantage of later because Paul writes in one of his letters, if a man doesn't work, a man shouldn't eat. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so well, we, I we, think there was a there was like a deep understanding among the early church of what the mission, what the point of it, the purpose of it all was. I think sometimes we think that um, God created the church and then he um, came up with a mission for the church. The reality is the mission has always been there. God created the church for the mission. I mean, the mission has always been be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, go make disciples of all nations, yeah. drop your nets, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, come follow me. That's been that's been our call from the very beginning, and the church is God's conduit, God's way of living that out now. The mission has always been there. It, it wasn't that he had this idea for the church and then it was like, well, what, 
what are we going to have the church do? Yeah, now that we have a church, what are we going to do with and it? And I think they understood that. They they had known the mission, and now all of a sudden the church is forming, and they, they had a, a deep sense of, okay, this is different. We're not just here to like a, another club, another group. Right. We have a distinct purpose. We're a missional community. There's a reason that we are gathered. Right. I, I, I love that, and that's what I was thinking was Jesus actually says, here's your mission at in Matthew 28, <laughs> Acts chapter 2 doesn't happen for, you know, we, we're not exactly sure how long, but it was after Jesus had ascended. And so, yeah, I, I really like that thought. And then, of course, the third uh, thing that we looked at with um, personal transformation was obedience. Now, personal transformation isn't limited to boldness, generosity, and obedience. That's not what it's limited to. But those are the things that we have seen so far. And, you know, we, we tend to be painting with broad strokes as we're talking about creating the church. Certainly when we talk about personal transformation, that takes on different things for different people. Um, an, an alcoholic, uh, any kind of addict, whether it's a drug addict or a pornography addict or, or whatever it may be, the, the transformation happens when not, I just don't do that stuff anymore, but I don't have desire. Right, I'm free from it. Yeah, ex exactly. <clears throat> and so as the church was doing this, God just exploded. The, the Holy Spirit was moving, and the Holy Spirit moves faster in our ability to keep up with it. And we talked about that last week with regards to the growing pains they had that, you know, all the work that of this mission was important. It was important to teach the Word of God. It was important to teach people about Jesus, but it was important to take care of widows and orphans and make sure people are being fed. Right. But the apostles were like, this is our role. There's got to be another role. And uh, again, it seemed good to them. <laughs> you know, right. they, they, they were all in agreement. This they, is what we have a good to idea. Do. And so right after that, I think we begin to see more growing pains. Now, we take a little bit of a leap through Scripture because Chapter 7 of the book of Acts is all about uh, the deacon, Stephen, and his experience in sharing the good news. And all of a sudden, these threats, which has turned to some violence because they had people whipped. It's turned to imprisonment. The, the persecution to believers is really ramping up. That's why I think somebody probably had to say, you know, let's let's be careful with this praying for boldness, right? Stuff. Yeah, I think I think you see as the church multiplies, as the church becomes a bigger threat to um, to those around them, uh -huh. then the threat and the persecution increases as well because yeah. as, as they begin to see and fear okay this movement is no longer just 12 it's no longer just 120 it's now thousands we see persecution increase as a result of that because of the fear on the other side right and and they 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 beat the apostles they flogged them you know and they rejoiced again you know these people seem to be of a different breed than how our culture raised right. they rejoiced that they were able to uh, that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. And then Stephen, and every time you see him on a TV show, he's always portrayed as this young, ambitious guy that the older people are saying, hold on, son, hold on, your time is going to come. And he just can't hold it anymore, and it, it leads to his death. And it says in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, the second half of that, that a great wave of persecution started that day. It's almost like Stephen is killed, Somebody fired the first shot for this war. It, it's time to get after it. And that caused the church to scatter. I think it was always Jesus' intention that his word and that mission scatters. Right. But it 
it, I've I've been taught it took persecution to make that happen. Yeah, I've heard some even teach and go as far as, uh, and I think maybe this at times can steer into the political, which I'm not trying to do that at all, sure. but speaking against the communal way that they were living and saying that, uh, you know, the, the call was to go make disciples to the ends of the earth. And, and they were almost from some that I've heard teach. I'm not saying I agree with it. They were almost creating another tower of Babel. Yeah, they, were, they were cloistered. They together. were coming together and they weren't living it out. And it, it was the, it was, through Stephen's obedience, through Stephen's boldness, that then the Holy Spirit came through his being martyred that finally scattered the church the way Jesus had intended and called them to from the very beginning, which some some say that they were actually being disobedient and not scattering before that. Yeah, that, that's an interesting teaching. And off the top of my head, my thought is, well, no, that can't be exactly true. Right. And, and we're getting the story as it was there in Jerusalem. But again, so, so, well, right after that story in Acts, we read about uh, Philip, another one of the deacons, going out to share. He wasn't running away. He was just following the Holy Spirit's right. leading at that point. But one of the things that we wanted to make certain of that people understood was this. The, the church has enemies. That uh, e- Even today, and, and with our religious liberty and our privileged status for being able to worship openly and do the mission of the church openly, the church still has enemies. There are people that would love to see the church go away. And, of course, when we talk about the church and we're talking about the whole people of God, we can't just think of our situation in America. We can't think of it just in Oklahoma. We have to think of the church in Southeast Asia in China, in Islamic countries. I, I've got a friend, he's actually a ordained elder in our conference named Steve Dickey. He, it used to be called Methodist Manor in Tulsa. It's called something else now. They've, they've renamed and rebranded it. But Steve was one of those guys that when we were in seminary, his goal, his vision was he believed he was called to the mission field. And I remember we came to annual conference one year and uh, Steve and his family are getting ready to move overseas. I forget exactly where they were going, but you know we were all saying goodbye because this guy's going to another country to serve the Lord. And the next year he was back at annual conference and we're like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, when a hundred angry Muslims show up at your doorstep and say, get out of town or we're going to kill you, you start packing your bags. And it was all because of what they were doing in sharing the good news of who Jesus was. Some people react hostily toward that. And so and and, and, and I would even want to say we you know, our our theology, our message is different from other religions. Uh, but even among Muslims, that's an extreme reaction. Right. You know, I, I don't want people to get the under the thought that all Muslims are that way because I don't believe that they are. Right. But they're there can be no lie that there are some religions that if you don't believe us, we're going to kill you. When when you think specifically about the church, let's just narrow it down to in Oklahoma. Okay. Not even United States, just in Oklahoma. What are some of the the enemies that you think of that you identify? You know, uh, I've been asking that question. Part of what we, we see a lot of today is we hear words about systemic racism and systemic mm-hmm problems. I think there are systems that are out there. Uh, some people, and, and, and I don't think I'm in this camp, some people would say, well, when they kicked prayer out of school, you know, that was a system trying to 
do it. And of course, my thought is, as long as there are tests, there will be prayer in school. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. As, as long as uh, followers of Jesus are going to school and they have a test, they're going to be praying. You know, Lord, help me with this. It was the formalized prayer that was written in such a way that they finally said, "You can't do that anymore." And that that happened evidently when I was a child. Uh, there there are organized, whether they're atheist or, or whatever, they're they're against Christianity. And I think part of what threatens us as Christians is it takes away our privileged status. It, right. it takes away what we've gotten used to. And, and that's why I felt it was important to make the point at the end of the sermon, it's not somebody else's responsibility to do our job. Yeah, I, I loved when you said that because for me, when I think about enemies in our context in, in Oklahoma, um, because they are very different than in other contexts around the world, I think of more like faceless um, enemies. I think mm-hmm. of things like ego. Okay. Um, I think ego is an enemy of the church. I think of pride. Pride is an enemy of the church. Selfishness is an enemy of the church. I think of laziness, um, fear. Those are the things that I, I think of because those are things that um, are in some regards are within our control. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of enemies of the church that we can't control at all. They're external. We, we can't control them. But I think the bigger threat, at least to the church in Oklahoma, um, is those enemies that we can control that we may be blind to, that maybe our ego is preventing us from living out the gospel in a certain way, or our fear of X, Y, and Z is preventing us from being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. I think of those things being bigger enemies just when I think of my own life um, personally yeah. um, from living out my call as a Christian and as the church. I, I, I do like that. A couple of thoughts is one, uh, fear and ego, and I think you're thinking of sinful pride, not just, hey, I'm proud of my kids. Right, right. Uh, those are against the personal transformation that we experience as we go through the devotions that we have. Right. Uh, and I, I would say there are some threats that are inside the church, and there are some that are outside the church. As, as I listened to you talk, I thought, yeah, one of the the enemies, uh, as, as I see it, is to really just fight the whole entertainment culture yeah. of what some churches embrace. So, Jeff, I saw you waving at me. Do we have a question over there? Well, it's pretty much uh, right on topic here, so thank you for the question. But, yeah, that uh, that was one of the questions that you guys started hitting on. Uh, somebody submitted, you know, what are some of the enemies of the church, you know? Uh, they listed off, you know, it could be people, entities, businesses, right. you know, uh, global events like COVID. You know, sure. we've had uh, yeah. our, our fair share of trying to overcome that. Uh, but kind of like what you said earlier, um, even some churches. So y'all... y'all Right on topic with with exactly what this question. Who, was who asked us this question today? Dude? It was uh, Kathy. Kathy, thank you so much, Kathy. Great we question. appreciate the question very much. And yeah, that that really is. I mean, there there are. My gosh, how how do you say this without sounding harsh? I, I think there are businesses. I think there are entities that their mission runs contrary to what the mission of the church is. Yeah, uh, and. I, I have no thought in mind. This is, again, off the top of my head. It's unfiltered, so it's probably not going to communicate exactly what it was. But I, I think of, you know, America as a country that is blessed with natural resources to grow food sources for people in the world. And yet we still have a problem with hunger. And I know that there are some businesses that when they 
they have food and they're not going to be able to sell it that you know they may give it to the regional food bank or they may give it to skyline to do that but then there are others it's just like uh well no you can't do this that our our business is selling food not feeding people right. does that does that i'm talking myself into it i, I think that's what I want. you know our call from jesus is to feed people who are hungry and a business would say no our job is to sell food right so yeah. different different mission different different direction of things but I, I do think it's it can it can be easy um to point the finger at all of the enemies that we don't have control over and i think right. in some regards that's what i thought of when you said that um, the church or it's never someone else's responsibility to do our mission is i think we can get into the mindset of well I would do this or I could do that if it wasn't for them. If if the schools allowed us to do this again, then we'd be able to do it. And and we begin to, to blame external enemies rather than recognizing that, no, there's a whole list of internal enemies just within myself that I have to surrender to God in order to faithfully and obediently follow him. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it makes me kind of smile because – um, again, I've been around some people and it's like, everything is the devil's fault, you know, right. and I'm not arguing that that could be the case, but sometimes I will tell people, I don't need a devil to tempt me. I do a good job of tempting <laughs> myself, you know, and that's that personal transformation, trying to get the Holy spirit to take out of me that sinful nature, which lives in opposition to what Christ does. But, but the church has enemies there. There are some countries where, yeah, you have to smuggle in a Bible to get it there because they do not want Jesus mentioned. Of course, uh, Karl Marx, the I guess you could say in some ways the godfather of communism, he said religion is the opiate of the people. He felt like religion was just a drug that made people walk around mindlessly. And you know, that's, that's an enemy of the church. And, of course, in Russia there were people that were persecuted when communism was the ruling government. So I don't—one of the things that I would say happens in America— uh, and, and, and it really began to change for me, gosh, over 25 years ago. And it had to do with the school shooting at Columbine. Uh, the high school in Colorado where two students came in and started their pipe bombs and started shooting students. And there was always a story of one of the guys went up to a girl and said, do you believe in Jesus? And when she said yes, he shot her. Well, that's persecution. That was right. for her faith. But the thing that we learn... We, we, sh we should not be surprised if we're persecuted. Jesus said, you can expect this to happen. He even says in the Beatitudes, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I mean, again, that's kind of contrary to what our culture right. teaches. But historically, when the people of God are truly being martyred for their faith, the church thrives the church grows and it doesn't grow because it's responding with anger and fighting and bloodshed back it's because we continue like Stephen did to say father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and I, I just love that statement I came across from Tertullian last week I want to share it again uh, he said kill us torture us condemn us grind us to dust the more you mow us down the more we grow 
for the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And I didn't share this part. He went on to say, every single drop of our blood springs up in some 30-fold, in some 60, in some 100-fold. Obviously, that's a reference to the parable of uh, the sower where some of the seed grew. Right. And so, you know, do not misunderstand me. I'm not begging us all to be martyred for a church growth strategy. That's not what I right. certainly wish for any of us. But we should not be surprised when we're, we're persecuted. When, when you were reading that just now, uh, <laughs> I, I think the algae in my swimming pool has been listening to this because... <laughs> Man, I tell you what, I don't, anyone else that has a pool out there, it's ridiculous right now. I, I've been fighting it. I, I clean it all up, and it comes back tenfold. So I think that the, the algae has been paying attention to this it, quote it, here. It's and, like the Hydra in the Adventures. You yes. cut off one head and two grows back. Is yeah. that what we're doing? Yeah, that's what's happening in my pool right now. So one of the things that, you know, again, the, the church begins to scatter, and as it scatters, it continues to multiply. The apostles were going out sharing the good news of Jesus. And one of the things that I like in this too is when we gather together for worship, that's a charging station yeah. for us. You know, we, we ha we're seeing more and more electric cars and they have to be plugged in to recharge them. Your cell phone has to be recharged, you know, all that wireless technology. And, and my hope is when we worship that we're worshiping passionately to really encounter the presence of God in our midst. Uh, and, 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 and we're charged, we're full, you know, we're, we're ready to go. And then as we live in the world, we're, we're sharing that we're sharing the power that we have. We're sharing the love and the grace and the, the good news, uh, through ways that we live through ways that we act, uh, but we know we need to come back and be recharged. You know, you can't just keep giving out and, and never take in. And, and I think that's part of what we begin to see is even though the church is being persecuted, they, can, they did not neglect those devotions. They did not neglect the apostles' teaching or the prayer and the koinonia and the breaking of bread. They, they continued to do those things because they saw in there a powerful vehicle for how God ministered strength back to them. Um, so... Again, never somebody else's responsibility to our job. The mission of the church is ours. Go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them. Actually, I think it's, yeah, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. I always like to put it in that order because my sister-in-law does not believe in infant baptism. She believes you need to... Uh, be taught and then make a decision to be baptized, which is just, you know, it's not unique between my sister-in-law. A lot of people, right. members yeah. of our church believe it. And I say, oh, no, it says baptize before it says teach. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you have any closing thoughts for us today? We have any other questions coming in? No yeah, other questions? I, I got no closing thoughts. I thought I thought you did a great job of recapping to, to where we are at this point and, and really laying the groundwork for the next three weeks as we wrap up this series. Um of of where who the church is who we're called to be and uh you know we've we've gone through what we're devoted to the growing pains we're we're talking about persecution transformation and and this week is going to be interesting i you know i so many things going through my mind and my spirit on this but we're talking about spiritual imposters this week and a lot of different directions yeah, yeah yesterday online i saw an article 
the greatest Christian hoaxes of all time. I was like, oh, I got to read this, you know, <laughs> what these are. So I'm excited about this Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. Well, we thank you guys for joining us once again for our weekly podcast. Uh, we've had a great time. Just want to remind you, uh, join us on Sundays at worship. We have worship at 815, which is our more traditional service. Uh, it's also online. And then at 930 and 1050 is our uh, more modern services. The 1050 service is also online. Hope that you're able to join us either on site or online or on demand. We offer all three of those. And uh, hope you can join us next Tuesday at 1230 as we're right back here for our uh, weekly podcast. Hey, friends. D.A. Bennett, St. Andrews Community United Methodist Church. I want you to know that we are discovering some real blessing and benefit of digital discipleship. But we also want to talk to you about subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, it's under the church's name, and you'll get some different uh, video devotions each day. So if you're looking for another venue, maybe it'll work for you. God bless you.